such a beautiful sense of God's presence this morning. And uh, Ira and the team didn't really know this, but that's what I really felt to focus on this morning as well. I know there's a bunch of us doing other things this morning, so some of you may be listening to this afterwards, but uh, if you look at one of our welcome brochures, you'll see that we exist for the world to encounter God's transforming presence. That's the whole reason for us existing as a church family and as us as individuals. And we want to live in God's presence. It says encounter God's transforming presence on the, on the front of all of our materials. And what we want to do is to focus on God's presence not just when we meet together like this, but in every setting, in every place, in every moment, uh, in our interactions with one another, in the way we interact with those who are not yet in the family of God. And as I was thinking about this, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 14. I want to read a few verses here as a sort of foundation. This is Jesus talking, of course. This is the night before he's crucified, and he's talking to his disciples. And uh, if we start at verse 16, why don't you go to 15, because there's a sort of paragraph break there, isn't there, in most of the translations. He says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. That's a long time. <laughs> Right? Forever is a long time. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him. If there's someone sitting near you, tell them you know him. You do. <laughs> For he dwells with you and will be in you. You could look at that same person and say, he's in you, I can see him. <laughs> I think this next verse is probably the most important verse of the whole New Testament. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, Jesus says, and you, but you will see me. Because he's predicting the resurrection. Because I live, you also will live. Is Jesus alive today? One of us thinks so, yes. No, several of us think so. Good, yes, okay. <laughs> you are allowed to speak. This is okay. So if he's alive, what does that mean about you and the person sitting next to you? We're alive, We're alive too. Yeah. It says so right in here. Okay? You are alive. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Try and get your head around that for a little bit. Jesus is in the Father, and I'm in him, and he's in me. So if he's in the Father, I'm in the Father, and the Father's in me. Yeah? 
I see those furrowed brows. And <laughs> but that's the truth. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And Judas, not Judas Iscariot, says, Lord, how are you going to manifest yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. We will come to him and make our home with him. How many people in this room have a home? Okay, where do the rest of you live? <laughs> How many people in this room have a home? It may not belong to you, you may rent it, that's fine, but it's still a home, right? So let me ask you this, do you live inside your home or outside your home? Yeah, good. Because on a morning like this, it's a good idea to be inside. Because otherwise you're going to get wet. On a morning like, you know, two or three weeks ago when half our plants got hit by frost, it's not a good idea to be outside, right? You live inside your home. Now, Jesus says that he and the Father are going to make their home with you. So where are Jesus and the Father? Inside. Very simple. I hate that this might sound like the children's talk, but I need to hear this. Maybe you do too. So what does it mean that you are God's home? Just reflect on that for a second. What does it mean that you and I are God's home? That's where he lives. Who likes their home? Hmm. I mean, there isn't really a day goes by where Jane and I don't sit in our living room or in our dining area and just say, I love our home. You know, sometimes it's full of you lot and other times it's full of all kinds of strangers and other times it's just us. But whatever's going on, we love our home. But every time we say that, I get this kind of echo in my head of the Father and the Son talking to each other about you and about me and saying, wow, I love our home. In Father and Son love living in you. That's God's presence in the world today. The Father and the Son by the Holy Spirit living in you. And you, and you, and yeah, all of you, y'all. <laughs> Southern is such a helpful language. <laughs> so reflect on this with me for a second. How do you experience God's presence? Just think about that for a second. For some of us, we experience God's presence tangibly. You know, you shake or you laugh or you feel shivers up your spine. But other times you don't. Right? How do you experience God's presence? Janet?
That's okay. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Galatians talks about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, seeing those characteristics of God. That's right, yes. But you're also right that it's very difficult to put it into words, isn't it? <laughs> because you and I are somewhat finite, we're limited, and God's infinite. <laughs> J.W.? Excellent. So in worship, we often feel this weightiness, which is the, the word for the glory of God in Hebrew is, is like a heavy blanket. <laughs> Not the sort of heavy blanket that flattens you, but the sort of heavy blanket that kind of gathers you in and reassures you. The kind of heavy blanket that Jane likes on the bed to give her the opportunity to actually sleep and not leap about. You know, <laughs> That weighted blanket feeling is the glory of God. Thank you. That's good. So I want you to see the presence of God is in you. And there are three ways I want us to kind of just follow it through for a few moments before we wrap up this morning. Um, if we can have, yeah, there we go. Thank you, Holly. God's presence is in you for intimacy with God. God's presence is in you for impartation to your community. That's the people that you live with and do life with. And then thirdly, God's presence is in you for influence with others. So let's talk about those one at a time, just for a minute or two each. The primary purpose of God's presence in us, in you and in me, is to foster and to strengthen and to celebrate the intimacy that the father wants with his children. That intimate relationship, the, the relationship that Jesus enjoyed as a man who is also a son of God. He's the son of God, but the Bible tells us that we are all in that same relationship now by faith. And so intimacy with God is the key. The Father loves you. That's why Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans, I will come to you. It's very tempting for us to think, yes, I've heard the Father's love message. I went to that school, or you know, when Andy and Ganilla came, I heard what they said for that weekend, or Mark and Jane are always going on about this, I've heard this before. But the Father's love for you as his child is not just some message that you hear and then put it on the bookshelf. It is the bookshelf. 
the fact that you are his child and that I'm his child is the shelf that everything else rests on. And if I don't have that revelation alive in my heart, then I don't enjoy that level of intimacy with God that he intended me to have. Being a child of God is not something you put on in the parking lot before you walk in the door on a Sunday morning. Now, religion will teach you that it is, but we don't like religion around here. Being a child of God is who you are all the time, everywhere you go. Because the Father and the Son, by the Holy Spirit, live inside you, in you. You are their home. I think that's good news. Right? I think that's good news. <laughs> Whether I realize it or not, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are in me everywhere I go. <laughs> you belong in God's presence. If God is present in you, you can enjoy that intimate relationship with God all day, every day, anywhere you are, whatever's happening. The whole of the Hebrew Bible, the, the, what we call the Old Testament, is the, is the story of, of God dwelling with his people after it all got messed up. Because you remember in the garden, there was this perfect fellowship, unity, between the man and the woman and God. God would stroll around in the, in the cool of the evening. And they would have fellowship with God. They were created on the sixth day and they spent the whole of the seventh day with God doing absolutely nothing except doing anything they wanted. Just enjoying him. Just being. Exactly. I love to remind myself that I'm a human being and not a human doing. <laughs> so good. But they lost it, didn't they? You know, the first time it talks about the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the, the, the evening is in Genesis 3.8 when it says the man and his wife hid because they knew they'd blown it. And God had to move them out of the garden, but God didn't let go of them, did he? So the whole of the, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, is the story of God dwelling with his people. That word dwell is the word tabernacle. You know, so in Exodus, when God is talking to Moses in Exodus 25, he says, verse 8, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. He dwells with them. He goes camping with them, basically. Can I get an amen, Robert? Yes. <laughs> Many of us in this room like camping. <laughs> but camping is not home, is it? This is part of what I wanted to zero in on, yeah? In the, in the old part, when Jesus hasn't yet died and the solution we just celebrated with communion hasn't been completed yet, there's camping with God, but it's not home. God is with his people. He doesn't let them go, but he's not in them yet. But the New Testament is the story of God dwelling among his people and then dwelling in them. And so there's a progression that you and I are the beneficiaries of. John 1, 
Verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Same word, tabernacled. Jesus came and camped among the Jews in Israel in the second temple period before he then was crucified and resurrected and then ascended before the Holy Spirit then comes in the book of Acts and fills them. This is what Jesus was talking about in that passage we read together in John 14. He, uh, where is it? <laughs> Verse 19. Yes. Is it 19? I've lost it. Yes, there we go. Sorry, it's verse 17. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. So when the Holy Spirit is poured out on the day of Pentecost, now God lives in his people. His presence is in you for intimacy with God. So I want you to reflect personally for for just a second here before we go on to the second point. Do you stop being a child when you fall short? No, you don't. However, the accuser will tell you you do. But he's lying, so ignore him. What hinders, you don't have to answer this one out loud, but what hinders your intimacy with the Father and with Jesus and with the Holy Spirit? What gets in the way? What, what restricts that or what hinders your closeness with God? Just reflect on that for a second and maybe come up with an answer or two. What is it gets in the way of me understanding and experiencing intimacy with God? If you can capture something, you know, it might be that neighbor you don't like, or it might be that boss is not kind to you, or it might be the fact that you can't overcome some particular pattern in your life that you feel gets in the way, whatever it might be. Because my question for you as you reflect on that is does it really hinder your intimacy, or are you being lied to? Does it really hinder? Because it doesn't need to. The Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are at home in you. God's presence that we value so much is always in you. So you have intimacy with God. Always. So I want to encourage you not to let any of those other things hinder that because the second point is that uh, our presence of God in us is for, next one please, thank you, is for impartation to your community, the people around you. You see, God has planted you amongst other people. He's planted you in relationships. I see it so clearly 
when you're all arriving on a Sunday morning or even actually when we finish on a Sunday morning and nobody leaves. I love it. <laughs> There's a reason why that's so special. God has called you out of how things used to be and each of you and he's planted us together in order that what you have I benefit from, what I have you benefit from and, and all of you around the room and those listening to this later, every one of us, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, but you have what I need and I need what you have. God designed us to be in relationship. Matthew 18 verse 20, for where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I among them. So it's not just that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit live in you and you are their home. It's also they get somehow, and I don't claim to understand this logically, but there's something that increases when you put two or three or 20 or 30 of us together. There's more room for God to do what God wants to do. There's more impartation within that community. I think that's what Jesus was talking about one chapter on from the chapter we read in John. John 15, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. You notice he doesn't say you are the branch, as in you. No, you all are the branches. And as we are united into the vine, that's when the fruitfulness comes. But all of us, plural, Whoever abides in me and I in him, it is he that bears much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. In other words, on your own, there's no fruit. But in the community, in the vine, in the family, there is great fruit. Not grapefruit, great fruit. Religion doesn't get this. Religion says that if you can just get a whole load of people all shouting the same thing at the same time or doing the same thing together, then we're successful. But actually, it's all about relationship. The Pharisees, this is Luke 17, for anybody who's making notes. Uh, Luke 17, verse 20, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. If you tease out what the, 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 the actual Greek words are saying there, Jesus is saying the kingdom of God is in your gathering together. The kingdom of God is in your gathering together. So the presence of God that each of us carries is to be shared. The kingdom of God is in our gathering together. So think about where you gather with others in the family of God. It may not be a formal gathering. It may just be when you all get together and, you know, like we had the other night, a party for Holly. The kingdom of God came <laughs> because we were all together. When we meet here on a Sunday... There's just as much kingdom of God in the before and the after as there is in the during. And there's plenty of the kingdom of God in the during as well. But it's in that gathering together.
So again, just press pause for one moment and say, Lord, what are some of those key relationships that you've planted me in? Those folks I meet with, those folks I get along with, those folks I love to get together with. Where have you planted me? Those folks I work with, those neighbors around me, wherever. What are the relationships that you've planted me in? And what do I have to impart because you live in me? Just pause and let him answer that. God who decided to make his home in you knows what he's doing. <laughs> and he's planted you in communities, relationships, groupings, places, settings where you have something to give and there's something for you to receive. And God wants that to be the case, not just in formal meetings like this, but well, there's nothing very formal about this meeting, is there? But it does happen every week at the same time, so I guess there's a formality there. But not just in settings that are organized, but in the everyday interaction of the life of the family of God. And then the third thing that the presence of God... The third thing that the presence of God rests on us, dwells in us, overflows from us for is for influence with others around us influence with others because it's not just about what can we do for one another when we are meeting together within the family whether just in little clusters of groups or in a fuel group or in a Sunday meeting but when Jesus sent out the disciples the apostles in Matthew uh, what is that Matthew 10 he sends out the 12 and he says oh and proclaim as you go saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand <laughs> just you know wherever you're going just you know if I can touch you the kingdom of heaven comes here you know. here's the kingdom would you like some kingdom here I've got some there we go it's at hand right yeah you'll take some there we go you just hand it out just give it all away Okay, and then when he sent the 72, this is in uh, Luke's gospel, isn't it? Luke 10. This is Mark's paraphrase, but it's shorter than reading the passage. He says, go without any strength. <laughs> Offer peace to everyone you meet and see who wants it. Then meet any needs you find and tell them the kingdom of God has come. It's really quite simple. <laughs> just wander around and offer peace and <laughs> see who wants it. And then if they've got any needs, ask God to meet those needs and say, hey, that's the kingdom. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? And if they say, no, thank you, don't try and persuade them. Just shake the dust off your feet and say, well, the kingdom came anyway. <laughs> just so they know that next time they have an opportunity, they could say yes. But don't try and force people into the kingdom. Look for the ones who want it. <laughs> But the important thing about both of those little anecdotes is that he sent them how? Two by two. We had a conversation at Holly's party, didn't we, about 
significance of the number two. Crystal's very good at this stuff, but what the, the, there's lots of symbolism to the number two, but the two things I want to emphasize, the number two stands for witness, because you need two witnesses to convict someone. So it stands for, I'm testifying to what I've seen and what I've heard. But also, two stands for unity or union. Union with God, God and me, but also unity between brothers and sisters. You and me together testifying to God. So he sends us two by two. It's an extension of what we already talked about, about the community, that you can't do this on your own. You are the branches, plural. But when he sends us out, he sends us out two by two. And a witness testifies to what he's seen and heard. So God wants us, because of his presence in us, you're his home, he wants us to have influence with others around us. Not by me buttonholing you and trying to force something down your throat, but by you seeing in me something of the kingdom and you seeing in my relationships something of the kingdom. And I want you to catch that that is probably the most powerful way to extend the kingdom is to live in kingdom relationship, to be sent two by two. To go out, not alone, but in pairs and threes and in community. For us as a church family to demonstrate what it looks like to be a believer and to be a part of God's kingdom. Paul said in Romans to the Roman church, he said in chapter 14, The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. This is back to the fruit <laughs> that we started with, right? But I want you to see that righteousness, peace, and joy are most clearly seen in relationship. It's the way we treat one another. It's the way we behave with one another. I might be really peaceful by myself, but I might just look like a loner. But if I'm really peaceful with you, it shows to other people. I might have a lot of joy, but if I'm doing it on my own, I might be just a weirdo. But if it's happening with a whole bunch of us, in different ways, each of us is unique, but there's something very special. I mean, I, I love this little crowd over here, you know, the joy crowd over here. <laughs> when, when, when Holy Spirit starts getting them laughing, it's like one, it, it's a popcorn effect, isn't it? You know? And you can't help but want to just join in or at least be joyful yourself in a way that may be very different from the way it's happening for them, but it's, it's infectious. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit is the kingdom of God. Therefore, let us not pass judgment on one another any longer, but rather decide never to put a stumbling block or hindrance in the way of a brother. In other words, Paul's saying, don't be so right that you lose your righteousness, peace, and joy. Don't be so right that you can point out what someone else is doing wrong. Leave room for what God is doing. And in that relational freedom, 
the kingdom grows. The presence of God is seen. So our time is gone, but let's just close our eyes for a moment and be quiet one more time for God to speak to my heart and to yours. Father, thank you for your presence in me. Thank you that you're at home here in my life, in my heart, in my everyday. Thank you for living in those around me who you've planted me among that we'd be fruitful together. And thank you for righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Let your kingdom come in me and through me, in us and through us. Send us out, overflowing with your presence, to testify to what we've seen and heard in you and with you that others would see it and be drawn to it, that the kingdom would come and grow in us and through us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you that it increases day by day as you make your home in us. Let the weight of your presence rest on each one. And would you be inspiring and blessing, not just our words, but our actions also, that people would see you. In Jesus' name. Amen. As you converse, as you fellowship before you go, I'd love you to bless whatever opportunity you see in your neighbor or your friend to live that way. You know, for example, I'm just going to pick on Robert because he led communion for us. I want to bless, Robert, the opportunities you have as you serve others, particularly those who many people overlook. I want to bless the boldness and the fruitfulness that you carry, that many people would be fed with fresh bread through the word of God that dwells in you and through the power of the Holy Spirit that you carry because you're his home. In Jesus' name. Do that for one another, because we're done, but you can stay as long as you want. And uh, let me say two things before we dismiss. Wednesday evening, we're going to begin our freedom and wholeness team training or gathering. Or It's not really training. It's becoming a team to minister freedom and healing and wholeness to one another and to those around us. And so that will be in here at 7. Um, we want to see as many of you as possible because <laughs> like I texted the men yesterday, I just thought, yeah, guys, we need to get with this program. <laughs> um, we need it. Okay, But the more we do it to one another and the more we receive it for ourselves, the more we're equipped to give it away to other people as well. So 7 o'clock here, uh, Jane's going to be leading that 
team formation, but many of you have much to offer as well as we all have much more to learn together. So come on out Wednesday. Jamie. I think we're going to go for about an hour to an hour and a half, aren't we? Something around that level. So, yeah. We'll shoot for 8.30 um, and then you'll be free to go from there. Of course, no one's going to kick you out because it says catch the fire. So, you know. <laughs> Some of you might still be here at nine or beyond, but no. Um, somebody lock up because I'm going home. I need my sleep. <laughs> yeah, about an hour and a half. Okay, thank you for asking. And then secondly, next Sunday, Marsha Murphy's going to be speaking. And uh, she's got a really good message on her heart. And uh, so we're kind of sneaking her in to... Uh, to come and be our guest speaker because some of the guys are going to be away next weekend men's weekend up in Hendersonville if you're a guy and you haven't booked for that and you're available talk to me before you go because there are still ways to get you in so wonderful those are the two things coming up did I miss anything no okay so reminder you are going to bless something that you see in a neighbor or somebody close by you the opportunity they have to express the presence of God in their setting in this week and chat to one another too. Have a great week.